I'm your host, Nadine of 818 Events, and this is the 818 and Conversate podcast. Every episode is going to feel like a spontaneous road trip with your closest friends. So bring your luggage because we'll be unpacking everything. I'm going to be joined by an awesome passenger every now and then. And who knows, we might even pick up a hitchhiker along the way. Picture this, you're vibing, spilling the tea, storytelling, reminiscing, manifesting even. There might also be a little detour of controversy here and there, and we may have to pump the brakes when shit gets too real. But it will always be a good-ass conversation and the road trip that you don't want to end. Episodes will drop the 8th and the 18th of every month, so in the spirit of a dope road trip, be sure to grab your travel snacks, crank up the volume, hop in the whip, and let's ride! This is episode 6 of 818 and Conversate, and I am so excited to have you guys listening today. This is going to be the June 8th episode, so if you're listening now, it's June 8th. Hopefully you're listening the day this dropped. Um, but I'm here with a good friend of mine. She is a director. She is incredibly talented. And um, I'm excited because this whole episode is about her and her talent, but also about the... She has a slogan that kind of goes with her brand, and that created this episode idea for me, um, and it's Director Die. So I'm going to introduce Director Cashmere. She also goes by Cash Blanche. So introduce yourself, please. Yeah. Um, hello, everybody. 818 and Conversate. Um, my name is Kashmir, as she said. Um, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do for a living. I still tell stories in many different ways. Um, we'll talk more about that. But, um, you know, the long and short title is I'm a writer and director for film and television. I'm so excited to have her because she's also been a dedicated fan of the podcast so far. I mean, <laughs> I know we're only, we're only six episodes in, but she's been like ride or die for the first five episodes. So I'm really excited to have her on as a guest. So we're going to actually get into it. Um, you we're in the six right now, but you're not from the six. You are an East Coast girl. So please mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about where you come from and how that ties into kind of your directorial beginnings. Yeah, I mean, I'm from the 902, the 02, you know. Um, yeah, I grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Uniac Square, to be exact, square town all day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, you want me to go like historical context? like? Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah, a little bit, because you have some serious um, like Canadian roots, and that's part of what makes you you and kind of some of the origins of some of the work that you've already put out. So, yeah, mm-hmm. share share a little bit about that, because it's not every day you get to sit down with somebody who's, like, purely Canadian. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, as pure as can be um, next to, you know, the uh, the indigenous peoples of mm-hmm. this land, you know. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm born and raised in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, I'm a eighth-generation Canadian. Um which means I've been here, for, my family been here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like people don't, some people I realize don't even understand what generation is. Yep. When you say I'm a first generation, second, yep. eighth generation, they're like, oh, and I'm like, no, you actually don't get that. And I'm just like, that means I was born here. My parents yes. were born here. There's a significant my layer. My grandparents mm-hmm. were born here. My great grandparents, the great greats, the great great greats, and keep going until you get to eight of those generations. Which you know? means they've been through all, all of the historical pieces of canada yeah absolutely because my family's been here for over 200 years Mm -hmm. right so you know we're we all know this like we all every friday i'm sorry every february they tell you about black history month and they tell you that 
you know, a bunch of Africans were slaves and they spread them all over. A lot of was in America. I'm just telling them the condensed I version. Know. You know what I mean? I the know. Some was in America. And in America at some point, enough of them said, you know what, we're over this. And they started to run away on the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. And their destination was the Freedom Land, which mm-hmm. was known as Canada, you know? And, and I and my family are, are direct descendants of, of those people that made it to the quote-unquote Freedom Land at the time, you know? Um, and so my family has been, you know, we fought in both world wars, World War One, World War Two, you know, we've like my family's a part is embedded in in the fabric of of this land, you know, because being here for so long, like they've contributed, just like how the blacks in America yeah. contributed to like the the, the, the creation, development, development yeah. of yeah. that nation. Yeah. Um, same with my family as as along with a lot of other black families that are the descendants of of the slaves that escaped to the freedom land during the slave trade. You know. I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak before because one, I'm your friend, so I pay attention to the things you do. But two, I and I'm know, a storyteller, so I talk a lot. Yeah, no, you're not. You don't talk a lot. You talk significant. And um, I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak a lot about this Canadian history storyline and how your family relates to things. Um, but you also have created something, a documentary that you you had a lot of response to because it really touched on who you are, where you come from, where your family comes from, and how it ties back to Canadian history. So share a little bit about that. And, you know, you kind of shared what the family history is, but what inspired that documentary to to come to be? Like, what was like, this is my idea. This is what I want to do right now. Um, I mean, I always, I always kind of had the idea in the back of my head. Um, one of my uncles is kind of like the family historian. So he likes to research our family history, mm-hmm. our family tree, you know, and connect all the dots and all that sort of stuff. Um, our family is a big Facebook family. It's the only reason <laughs> I have Facebook. You yeah, know what I mean? Stay yeah, just stay in touch with the family. So if you ever reach out to me for business on Facebook and I never replied, that's why. Just tell um, her you're her cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and he would always just like, you know, put all this stuff together and he's connected family on like all four corners of the earth. Like literally, you know, he's connected us with... Um, relatives that are descendants of our, our family when we were enslaved that have made it somehow to South America and over the islands and the UK and in Europe and all mm-hmm. these places and he's like pinning all these dots I'm like yo that's so dope um, and we've even done like the ancestral DNA test oh, wow. for, through one of our closest direct um, cousins that's a di- closest uh, and a DNA connection to our enslaved relatives because okay. you know over time families spread you know what I mean yeah. all that sort of stuff uh, so she did the ancestral DNA test and we found out like an origin at least where part of our blood comes from like uh, an origin point in Africa you know in, in West Africa on a Guinea Bissau, uh with a tribe called the Jola peoples and I thought That's I was great. dope yeah. you know what I mean and I was like so I just kind of started to uh, get this idea for what I was going to do like I was going to call it the world's biggest family reunion and like I'm a filmmaker, so mm-hmm. have a camera, just like follow me and meet me, meet all these people, my relatives in South America and in the Caribbean and the UK and in Europe, and then eventually like from my point and then start and go back to the motherland where our family originally comes from. You know what I mean? Um, and meet my people, and it'll be like the world's biggest family reunion. Like no one's ever seen anything like that. You know, like no, no one's ever seen anybody travel the world and meet so many people that you're related to no. that are spread across the whole four corners of the earth. Um, so anyways, that was the original idea, but then uh, I was approached uh, by a network, CBC, to, to do a documentary, mm-hmm. um, but a short form, <clears throat> and I kind of just like, 
condensed Can, this idea. Condense idea. Yeah, I took the idea that I had and I condensed it because I just thought I'm like, this is CBC, it's a Canadian Broadcast Corporation, right? And and um, I just thought like you know, Canadian all the, every every country has like a national broadcast corporation. You know what I mean? And America has it. There's in the UK is the BBC. It's the British Broadcast Corporation. Yeah. There's the Australian Broadcast Corporation. So on and so forth. And I thought about when I watch these networks. Um, like when you watch the BBC, you get a you get a pretty good sense of like what life for like British life and culture yes. is like past, yes. present, and future from all walks of life, whether you know races and creeds and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I begin to think when I watch CBC, I don't really get a sense so very of that. Segmented. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't see myself mm-hmm. on there, and I'm an eighth generation Canadian. How can you be the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, but? someone who missing yeah but someone who's who's the eighth generation of of a people to be in this country doesn't see themselves represented that's pretty canadian if you ask me yeah you know what i mean so i developed this idea for the you know condensed that and and that mind state and pitched this idea to cbc where i was like i'm an eighth generation canadian but i constantly get asked about where i come from in my own country just because of the color of my skin because if i tell people if i were to tell you about my family and say they're an eighth generation canadian family that have served in in, for military in both world wars have made significant contributions in athletics politics entertainment all these things but leave out the fact that we are black everyone would assume they're a white family and not question it you know what i mean but the second i put a picture of my big beautiful black family next to that that context they they're like hashtag nah. where are they from yeah where are they yeah. from where are you really from yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i get asked that question all the time it's like i'm the where are you from i'm canadian oh where are you where's where, funny, where's your mother from because the origin of this conversation is me kind of saying like i'm blown away at the fact that a family could have such historical canadian roots because almost everybody i know is not multi-generational canadian they yeah. their parents come from somewhere else mm-hmm. and migrated here and but it's funny it's because a lot of Canadians think that way, but it's usually Canadians that like live in cities like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Because if you live in cities like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, yeah, that's pretty much Canada to you. Yeah. But this is a big ass country we live yeah. in. And outside of those three cities, yeah. that is what Canada looks like. It's mm-hmm. a bunch of multi generational. It's growing now. Yeah. Like even in Halifax, there's you know large Asian communities. There's always been like a large Lebanese community there since the early '60s. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It's a university province. It's some of the top universities in the country yeah. there. So there's a lot of international students that have gone to the schools and they stay there now. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of black Canadians, ind- indigenous uh, peoples of this land. And, and I call them the settlers. You know what I mean? <laughs> the white people, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's what Nova Scotia looks like. And that's what Canada looks like. But, you know, that's the whole reason why I made that documentary is because people will keep wanting to question like where I'm from and what that, and they question what my culture is like. You know what I mean? Was the CBC, I mean, we don't have to dive too deep into this, but were they like, yeah, great idea? Or did it take some convincing to be like, this is what I want to do? And and I think. No, they were right. Right. Right from the bat. They were like, yeah, it's a great idea. Because I didn't give them a choice to because I literally said to them, like, you guys are the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. Yeah, I am an eighth generation excuse. Canadian. In my meeting, I said, I'm pretty sure I'm the most Canadian person in this room right now. And they couldn't say no. So Good I'm like, you. you know what I mean? So. Let's like go backwards a little bit. Yeah. Before the documentary, before, um, you know, you you got your foot more in the door with the CBC and stuff like that. Who was director Kashmir? What was the origins of like being a director? Tell me Um, about it. And a storyteller. Um, Director Kashmir um, was a quiet kid that 
grew up thinking she was going to be a superstar. Um, I like that. Really, I thought, as a kid, I always wanted to be the star. I thought I was going to be this big singer and then have the like the diva life of like a singer so you become this big pop star and then because you're a pop star now they want you to do movies you know what i mean and then now i'm a pop star movie star oh yeah and then living this big rich lavish life traveling the world and all that stuff um that's what i thought it was going to be you know but um uh I who was your motivation for that michael was it Jackson. janet or michael, michael. <laughs> so really and truly is my mother to yeah. be honest with you because my mom was a music mm-hmm. lover herself. Yeah. Um, she loved the Jacksons, the Jackson family. Yeah. She grew up loving the brothers, the Jackson yeah. Five, and so on and so forth. Um, and then, like, Michael Jackson, the first concert I went to was, like, the Thriller era. Okay. I was, like, three and, like, a baby. And she only took me because she couldn't get a babysitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm too young to remember it, but there's a picture that yeah. proves that I was there, you know? Um, and then, naturally, so I grew up, like, every kid in the 80s, loving and being amazed by Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I grew up and my mother liking the family so much and loving Michael and then knowing that Janet was the baby of the family. And then as I was a baby and growing, that was when she kind of broke out with her solo career of like albums like Control mm-hmm. and in Rhythm Nation. And so it's like I kind of those were an epic. epic and I grew up um, I grew up as she grew up, you know, I just gravitated towards the baby and the baby all of the their family. videos were these like like stories like full movies Always. everything felt like a full movie yeah they're the reason i do what i do because like i said you know cashmere was a kid that that grew up wanting to be the star like them but i was a very shy quiet introverted kid mm-hmm. so that just wasn't gonna be conducive to my personality yeah. even though i went to schools that encouraged the arts and stuff like i went to school with all rich white kids so we did like perform musicals yeah, and yeah. that those type of school plays you see on tv yeah, and stuff yeah. like that was a school i went to so i was encouraged <laughs> with all that but and i did all those things but i was always very shy mm-hmm. like you know so i i gravitated towards the storytelling that like you said mm-hmm. artists like michael janet madonna mm-hmm. whitney at the time all their videos were like story yeah and i'd love them and because i love music and because i thought i was going to be an artist i would always like my journal was like making up ideas to music videos for all the songs i was listening to like i didn't have the usual diary like you know because yeah, yeah diary yeah. today blah 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 my he diary didn't journal. like me and say hi yeah I did. <laughs> exactly um i never did those things my journal diary was was music video treatments i didn't know that's wow. what they were at the time that was just i would listen to songs and i would just see see a, a story in my head and i would just have to write it down you know you know i i kind of get that because i i danced as a kid and um i started a bit late for like the kid dancing you know my, most of my friends were like five and six when they started and i started about nine and ten but when i started for me every song was a dance in my head mm-hmm. a cho- i could choreograph a dance to any yeah choreograph a dance mm-hmm. to any song at, that i heard and created like a vision for it in my head kind of the same, same. way so i would totally do the same thing my like i grew up an only child to the age of 10 so and i was raised by a single black mother that yeah. worked very hard so i spent a lot of time entertaining uh, using myself your imagination and and but my imagination was not like your regular kid's <laughs> imagination like my make-believe was like make-believe hollywood world so like I said, I like I, in my head I was the star. So I would play music. So I pretend to be like the artist. 
right? And I'd be like, okay, we're on set. We got to shoot my music video. <laughs> and so then I go in she my like, living room. She like jump back and forth. Yeah, I jump back and forth. I pretend to be the director and be like, okay, so I need you to do this. And then I jump back and be the artist. And be I like, love okay. It. Then I would turn and talk to my backup dancers and be like, so the director needs to do this. And they'd be like, all right, let's go. Action. And then I run the playback, the music. And then I jump in, on, in, in, you know, in my position. Yeah perform whatever song it was <laughs> but then i'd get like diva attitude like no nope, cut cut, cut, cut no nope, that cut. was all wrong i'd curse out my backup dancers i'd have like tantrums and stuff run it again I run it again cry. this is the best conversation that was my life like i legit played like it's funny because i tell people like i do for a living what i used to legit make believe do in yeah. my living room yeah. when i was like 9 10 11 12 like it. you know what i mean like that's what i did as a kid um so anyways you know how did I get from that to where I'm at now is, you know, I went to university because it's what I was told to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? My mom went to university. My mom's a university graduate. So, you know, I was encouraged to do that. There was no discussion about it. You know what I mean? Um, didn't study anything remotely close to what I do now. Um, after that, um, same, (laughs) I decided, all right. I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, because my mom works in politics. And I everyone, thought I was going to be a social worker. Everyone thought I was going to be like a mini version of my mom, you know? <laughs> and, and I, you know, I can, I can speak well. I can argue, you know what I mean? I've got good conversational skills and things, argumentative skills like that. So people are like, you'd be a good lawyer. So I just thought, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember in junior high or high school, we were in the OJ trial. We would do like mock trials yeah. around it and everything. Yeah. And I was, I was on the defense and I got him off too. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, you yeah. could have hired her. Okay. Yeah, man. I could have been working with Johnny Cochran. But um, so, yeah, after university, I thought I was going to go to law school. But then I just thought about it. I was like, school just never was my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I always excelled in things that required writing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I always did good in my Same. history essays and stuff. Same. Even if I just knew the bare facts about you could the story thing. Tell. I could story tell. Exactly. Same. So I did well in athletics, art, athletic class, you know, gym art stuff mm-hmm. and then anything that required me to tell a story to pass the test you know what i mean but math science all that real academic shit was just never no, ever ma- my, my thing um so yeah just after i graduated from university i was just like i just did this and now y'all want me to go to university again, again? <laughs> and do it again for four years of law school um and then just to get a piece of paper that says I know how to practice law, but then I got to study in for another year to take the bar exam just to get to another piece of paper that, that says I can practice law. Yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not. I respect it. I'll make a movie about yeah, law. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was told my mom I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, I won't go back to school, but I'm not doing that. She's like, what do you want to do? I said, um, I think I want to go. A friend of mine was going to school in Toronto because I went to university in Halifax, mm-hmm. and when I came back to Toronto. Um, a friend of mine was going, she was uh, studying fashion design mm-hmm. at the, the Toronto International Academy of Design and mm-hmm. Technology or whatever it was. And I just thought her homework was so cool because it was just her her portfolio and, and her drawings and stuff. And I'm like, yo, that's so cool. And like I said, I was always that artistic kid. So um, she said, you know, they got a film and TV program at the school. I was like, I'm taking it. And I told my mom, I was like, I think I'm going to go study film and television. And the only thing my mom that came out my mom's mouth was, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> that was it. Because she was paying for my education up until that yeah. point. And I said, that's cool. This is Canada. I'll get OSAP. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever yeah. it is. I'll figure it out. And I did. Halfway through the program... I left um, because they were teaching you school stuff. It was still school, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, I just wanted to make film, so I took it upon myself to get an internship at Much Music. I just randomly applied yeah. for an internship, and you know, by the, by the fate of God, I got offered an internship working at the Urban Music Department in at a, like prime time because this was like 
I'm aging, my, I'm aging myself, era, yeah. right? But this was like 2003. If y'all remember Master T, Master T had just left. Yeah. Like he was stepping down as the host of all the urban shows. Yeah. And Namageni was taking over, right? And and so it was like the prime time because it's 2003. It's urban music and videos and pop culture is at its pinnacle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you have this young black girl that's the host of these tv shows which i hadn't seen Mm -hmm. the producers were two women the two producers of the show the lead producer was a black woman too right and then here comes me the young black girl intern it was like a dream come true yeah everything and this was like at a time where much music and mtv like those stations were popping so everyone who was hot was coming through there nelly Ludacris, you name it you know what i mean and and there i was just randomly got that spot and then in much music is where I happened to meet my dear friend and mentor and brother, um, RT, director mm-hmm. RT. Um, he was interning at much more music at the time, which was upstairs. Yeah. That was Canada's version of VH, VH1. Yeah. Um, and we were the two young black kids in this building, you know? And it's, you know how it is when you're a minority in those area settings, you see another black person, you gravitate You're to like, them. hey. Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know how it is, but I get what you're you saying. You get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Exactly. So, um, and that was that. And he was, you know, fresh out of Ryerson, and he had aspirations to become a director. Yeah. And we wanted to make music videos, and that was going to be our thing. And he started a production company with a friend mm-hmm. of his um, that went to Ryerson, um, it was called uh, Next Element Entertainment, the NE for short. Um, and we started making music videos, you know? And, and it took me on a wild, crazy journey that I never imagined that I was going to go on, you know? I, I'm going to interrupt for one second. When we were talking before about, like, you know, you were, you were creating treatments for videos that you could envision just listening to the song. Mm-hmm. How many times did a video come out? And you're like, that's not what I would have done. Oh, all the time. Uh- <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I was so upset. I couldn't wait. I was one of those kids that I couldn't wait to, to see the visuals. To, 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 no, to, we couldn't wait to see the visuals, but also couldn't wait to be an adult so that I could do that. Cause I'm like, you guys did it wrong. Now you guys need me to grow up. Don't wait till I grow up and I'm going to do it right. You know what I mean? I was just curious. Um, I was curious. I had to ask. Cause yeah. Like, and I love, no, I, I waited like, I have a box in my storage closet that my mom found in the garage that I was on Snapchat one day. I was like, listen, y'all, for y'all don't understand what's going on, this is YouTube before YouTube. Yeah. Because I had VH, VHS tapes of every music video. Because I would be on there religiously, like, Same. recording music videos. Like, I remember when certain videos premiered, you know what I mean? And you waited all day for the world premiere of that music video, you know? like Same. I had, like, my, my collection was quite vast i had paul abdul mixed with like sinead o'connor mm-hmm. mixed with like god knows what it was a very eclectic oh same with me because i was and the know, cuts would be like terrible yeah i was same with me because you know i'm i'm my i grew up in the early 80s my mom is black so i grew up and we're from nova scotia so we're not like of west indian descent mm-hmm. so i didn't grow up listening to like reggae and all you know dance hall, dance hall yeah. and clips and all that stuff i grew up on r&b my mom grew up listening to motown and mm-hmm. soul and all that stuff and then I grew up in the 80s era listening to 80s R&B and then hip hop. Those mm-hmm. are my things. And then when I'm a teenager now in the 90s, you know, I'm in the, the golden era mm-hmm. of hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and then watching, you know, all the hearing all those songs and all those videos, like because we were at our prime and creativity at that time, too, you know, in terms of like um, 
all those videos, but I was also listening to other stuff because yeah. I, I went to school with, like I said, rich white kids. So in the 90s, remember, it was the grunge era. Yeah. You know, that's the era of Nirvana and... And uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. What? Stefani? That Green was Day. my shit. Green, Green Day. Day. Yeah. Yes, Green Day. Green Day is still my vibe. Yeah, you know so what the I mean? Cre- the creativity. Aerosmith. Like, remember when Aerosmith yeah. had their resurgence in the nineties? Because yeah. they're old as dirt, you know. Yeah. But they came back hard yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. And Liv Tyler made with all Alicia her Silverstone yeah. was in the videos and everything. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I remember my mom used to look at me because I she'd be coming home from work and I'd be jamming to Nirvana and she'd be like what is it's going happening. on with my daughter I gotta stop sending her to school with these white people <laughs> I'm sure but I'm sure it spiked for you a whole new creative realm like I'm sure oh yeah that- absolutely it created something like I in hindsight you know I, I always hated it to be honest with you I went to school with a bunch of rich white kids because I took French all yeah. throughout since kindergarten I was taking French and when when we moved to Toronto all the schools that offered all French just happened to be in the rich white kid neighborhoods you know Got what it. I mean yeah. so it wasn't like I didn't grow up rich I did not you know you what I'm saying I community. was just exposed yeah. to those communities and and I hated it but in hindsight it it was probably the best thing for me you know for a young black girl growing up in the, as a teenager in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, because it got me like my grade twelve English teacher was the first person to put a camera in my hand, and I fell in love. I didn't know that's what I want. I like I said, I always thought I wanted to be the star. And even throughout like my teenage high school years, the difficulty was you know when you as a teenager in high school, that's when you're learning yeah, yeah, yourself yeah. and all that. And I knew I wanted to be the star, but I didn't know how I was gonna get past that <clears throat> that shyness. Yeah. And then and in the grade twelve, aspect. in grade twelve, the intro, yeah, my introvertedness, I didn't get it at the time. And then in grade 12 English media class, my, my English teacher was the first person to put a camera in my hand. He was the first person to challenge me in a way where <clears throat> it was English media, right? So it was all about uh, all things, uh, news information, like print media yep. and, and, and magazines and things like that, yep. right? And he was the first person, like I said, I just kind of got by school before then. And he was my guidance counselor before uh, grade 12 English so he knew me he knew I was always listening yep. to my music I was having he my headphones on and he knew I was had Vibe magazine and Source magazine every month he knew that about me right and he's from New York and he grew up poor white kid that grew up in the same neighborhoods as like Busta Rhymes and Q-Tip and all those guys wow. so he knew them when he they were the kids culture, so he exactly the culture. so he would always like you know what, what you listening to you know what I mean and things like that and that made me want to take his class finally because like, he was like and he looked like Tom Cruise you know what I mean? he was like a short nice attractive white guy with Tom, <laughs> 90s Tom Cruise yeah exactly um but I just thought it was cool as shit so when I finally was able to take his class I did and the first I remember the first assignment that we had in this class was learning about newspapers and our first assignment was to design a newspaper article and I was like I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and he goes he goes like this he goes um don't they have music reviews in the newspaper mm-hmm. and I was like yeah and he's like What's the new? What's the latest album you listen to? I was like, and Lauren Hill, Miss Education had just yeah. come. I was like, I just copped that new Lauren Hill. He was like, oh, dope album. He's like, how about you write a review about it? I'm like, okay, yeah, I see where you're going. So I wrote that review, and it was all about because remember Lauren was like, she came hard. She was yeah. letting us know that because remember hip hop and pop culture was becoming one. We were at our pinnacle where they were yep. using us as now what we dominate pop culture. Yep. And Lauren was setting us straight. She predicted this. She was like, we're losing our essence, our trueness. Like, remember, she's like, hip hop started out in the heart and then everybody trying to chart, you know? And so I wrote this whole article. And her interlude, she did all those <clears throat> interludes. Yes, yep. Yeah. So I, I reviewed the album and wrote about how, and used my thesis was about how hip hop wasn't, wasn't, was losing its, its realness. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I got my first A on something that wasn't like gym or art. Yeah. And I was like, what? You know what I mean? And then he continued to challenge me throughout the whole year every time we did because he knew I liked music so he would apply everything to that shout out to that teacher oh yeah Mr. Reed that's the man <laughs> and um, and then the final assignment was now that we had learned all this media he was like your final so you know your final assignment that's worth yeah. like 60% of your mark um, we had to create our own something of media and he brought in a camera and the, the original IMAX with the colorful backs wow right and like editing uh, equipment and I was like I don't know what to do and he was like again he always asked me a question he's like He's like, don't they make documentaries about music? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, so how about this? He's like, how about we take the thesis of your newspaper article about how hip hop is not keeping it real no more and how the media is using it as a cash cow and turn that into a documentary. I was I'm, like, yeah. I've been friends with you for how long and I've never heard this story and I'm just so in awe listening to you. Yeah, talk no, about he's it. a big part of why I do what I do and it blew my mind away. Like I said, he's the first person to put a camera in my hand and I fell in love. He helped me get, it was my first time on Much Music. He helped me get interviews with people at Much Music, like Universal wow. Record. I went to a record label for the first time. Like, I felt like what I do now you mm -hmm, know what I mean mm -hmm. and I fell in love I was like oh people do this for real like and they get paid for it mm -hmm. and in that moment all I could wait was I can't wait to grow up and do this I gotta graduate high school now yeah you know what I mean I even I literally graduated high school yeah, yeah I graduated high school a year early and plus I'm born in January so it's always the oldest kid in my class yeah so in high school I always hung out with the kids that were my age which meant they were the grade Older. ahead of me yeah so I was like they're about to graduate next year and leave me behind with these young people and it was like that can't happen <laughs> so I was like I gotta get out of here because I, I literally was like I need to get to doing this I mean I could like I said I was always that kid that couldn't wait to grow up to be an adult and do this for a living and he was like the first person like once he put that camera in my hand it was like all right go sometimes I never it just takes that one person that sees your vision and can help take it from just a manifestation to like actually mm -hmm. becoming a real thing just something tangible you yeah. know what i mean because like people you know we what i like about him is we grew up in an era where our parents come from an era where everything is about uh, stability and pract mm -hmm. pract practicality. practicality, right? Yeah. Where it's like you, you go to high school, you have to graduate high school. And after high school, you either go to college and learn a trade. Or you start working. You know what I mean? Or you start work yeah. right after high school or you go learn a trade and then you start working. Or if you're smart or rich, you go to university and you get a degree and you become a lawyer, doctor, business person, yeah. somebody's boss. Yeah. That's the world they live in. You know what I mean? But where the generation where all that stuff started to yeah, change but yeah. our parents didn't fully not all of them grasped embraced it, yet, it embraced or, it yeah. exactly and 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 mr reed was the like he's what a tr teacher should truly be you know what i mean because every kid can learn and every kid has a path and being on to greatness it's just about how you have to tap into that greatness that's mm -hmm. in them and 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 apply it to like he knew that i like music and so once he could apply everything to music yeah i, I was like oh i gotta do this I got to do this. You know what I mean? I wish I wish that all teachers were like that. They should be. The world would be a very different place. Oh yeah. But it requires a teacher to um to truly like invest in each and every one of their students in a way that is exactly what you're saying. Be able to understand what makes that student tick and feed into that to mm -hmm. help elevate them. But Absolutely. unfortunately, we don't live in a world where that always exists. Cuz I do I do it's funny to me that he he helped me like as a kid I wanted to be the star. Why? Because stars live, they travel the world, they make cool shit for mm -hmm. a living, and they have cool friends. And they have you know money. I mean? And they got <laughs> money, yeah. And But 
aside from the money, you know, they have those are the things, other things that are that appeal to you, right? And I realized that he helped me find that path because I'm living the life that I always thought I wanted, to, that I always dreamed of living since I was a kid. I travel the world, mm-hmm. I make cool shit, mm-hmm. and I got cool ass friends, and I and, and the money, and you know, <laughs> like. I'm not hurting. I'm not yeah. Steven Spielberg rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm on that trajectory, but I'm also not struggling. I know what struggle looks like because I struggled for the first probably, like I've been in this industry like 17, 18 years now, and I probably struggled financially for mm-hmm. the first 10 years of mm-hmm. that because one thing I learned in this is like I do this because that's where direct or die comes from. You yeah, know what I mean? It's because I... I do this because I can't do nothing else but this. It's made for you. It is literally made for me. Like I tell, I can't, I can't not tell a story to save my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If somebody said, "Don't tell a story or you'll die," I'm dying. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I'm at some point gonna end up telling you a story, and then you're boom, whatever it is, you know. And 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 what I realize about that is, when I took my first trip for work outside of the country mm-hmm. and I realized I was saying to my producer because we were and we were just location scouting we weren't even filming yet I don't know if y'all know what a location scout yeah. is like when you got to look at the location and sometimes and create, the vision. and create the vision and sometimes if your location is in another country you got to go there and scout the location mm-hmm. to figure out if your vision will work in that location yeah. um and we had to do that in Mexico and and <laughs> we, we were we were um at the resort after a day of scouting in Mexico and we're in the pool and I was like wow and I'm like you know what John is my producer I was like when we were kids and we dreamed of being filmmakers and stuff I'm like we wanted to travel the world make film make money and I'm like we may not be Steven Spielberg rich but we're traveling the world and we're making film mm-hmm. and that's really fucking cool man mm-hmm. and I can't and I just want to do this for I go even if the Spielberg money never comes this is pretty dope. You know what Forever, I mean? Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And I realized like, I always tell people like I teach, you know, um, film and stuff like that. And I do like workshops and things like with the remix project and other um, organization stuff. But I always tell people, the first thing I say is, listen, if you're in this industry to make money quit right now, cause mm-hmm. you in it for the wrong reasons. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, cause the money may or may not come. Yeah. And it took legit a good 10 years for the money to start coming in for me. And you know? realistically, where we are sometimes makes things a little bit more limiting um, in terms of opportunities. Absolutely. You have your foot in the door with like a, you know, a major network, but not everybody has an opportunity. They have to like really climb their way to the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about this in terms of the music industry and being a music artist, but the same applies behind the scenes as well, right? Like, Toronto offers a lot of opportunity if you are connected, if you are able to make an impact and stay in a network of people, but sometimes it could be limiting as well. So for you guys to not be in a place like L.A. or New York or wherever else, you know, film is huge, that for you to feel, you know, that you've come so far is incredible. But then also to say to people like you do have to be realistic about the fact that like if you're just in it for the money and not your pursuit of passion, then yeah, you're in the you're in the wrong. You're, you're in the, the wrong, wrong industry. Go get and a not job. to say Go that being in LA is a guarantee of that as well, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there's some opportunity. There's a lot more opportunities to network. I would say. No, nah, for real. If you're in this industry, like if your main intent is to make money, just quit right now. Like, go get a job or sell drugs mm-hmm, or something. Because mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yep. Like, because there's better, is easier ways and a 
a lot like less stressful ways to make money than doing this. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, why do we do this? Like, why would anybody want to put themselves through what what us as filmmakers and people and creatives in general put ourselves through? Why would anybody do that? You got to be pretty messed up in the head to do that. And I'm messed up in the head. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I so, embrace it. I based the whole episode really uh, on that slogan, your director die slogan. And I was going to ask you, you know, where did that derive from? But I mean, just even talking to you before you even said it, that's where it derived from. Like I can, it's, it's evident where it came from and like what the passion is. So, you know, when you think about kind of, what it means to be passionate about something and to like pursue it wholeheartedly for you how do you feel about that in general in terms of people you know having an ambition and going after it and their commitment to it and their dedication to it like you know even with this podcast I created something that I have no idea where it's going or what it is um, going to be. But I've already seen the progress in the last five episodes of just, you know, how it started, where it's developing to the opportunities for the people I can sit down with and stuff. And for me, um, I've talked a lot about it with Keith and stuff in the past is that if I don't put my all into it, it's never going to develop into whatever it has the potential to Mm -hmm. be. So for you, like, you know, that 10 year, you know, you talked about you didn't really make the money for the first 10 years. Like, what was that persistence like for you? Like, what was the difference between then and now and like really pushing forward? We have a guest on the show today. Um, <laughs> besides Kashmir, Feta's really decided to make an appearance behind my booty over here. Right. <laughs> but if you have any beautiful girlfriends for him, please let us know because trying to make some more fetas. <laughs> he's looking for a bay. Yeah, he's looking for a bay. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's hot boy season. Yeah, right. right? Now. So right. Fetas on the prowl. <laughs> he decided he needs to be here for this one. Yeah, right? show oh, off, yeah, baby. Show everything. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, too. Look at him. He's like, come get a good look. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, I have no idea what we're talking about. You're going to have to tune into this on YouTube because it's yeah. not to be missed. <laughs> um, but yeah, talk about, I guess, talk about that endeavor that, like, really following your pursuit of passion because a lot of people who may not be tr- aspiring to be a director but a creative like we've talked about there's a lot of challenges was like where where were you then and where are you now kind of like what has kept you going i mean the main thing that has kept me going is is really the slogan the mantra direct or die mm-hmm. and it comes from a true place um because although like i i, I just said to you like that's where it comes from but but it truly comes from an actual like event and place and time mm-hmm. in my life where I literally almost died doing what I love to do, which mm-hmm. is this. Like mm-hmm. I, I was, I used to work um, with a lot of music artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on tour mm-hmm. with artists at the time. Um, my cousin, Jordan, J-R-D-N, mm-hmm. uh, and Danny Fernandez. We're on mm-hmm. a cross-country tour across Canada. Um, we're in Montreal. I, doing what I do, playing um, double duty yeah. I double book so while on tour with them I had to be in Toronto for a day to go shoot a music video so oh we God. were in Montreal um, had the show that night I needed to be in Toronto by 9am the next morning to shoot the video and then later that night at the end of the shoot make it back to uh, meet them I think the next day would have been uh, either Ottawa or whatever cities after yeah. Montreal keep going east anyways um, 
I left this. I left Montreal. I drove back to Montreal by myself. Oh, that you wasn't, were doing the driving. That wasn't the yeah. intention. That was not the intentions. Um, but the show ran late, and so one of the backup dancers I was supposed to drive with me could. I had to leave. I was like, they were still on the stage. I'm like, you guys, I gotta go. I'm not gonna make a six hour drive. I'm not yeah. gonna make it back to Toronto in time. Yeah. For the shoot. Um. So I left. Drove by myself. Um. I have a tendency because I, I have a tendency to fall asleep with my eyes I was going to say tired. I'm a dreamer. And the drive's right? boring as well. And it's not even a tired thing. It's just I like my with my eyes open. Yeah. Like literally. It's like sometimes you see how dogs fall asleep with their eyes open. Like <laughs> that happens. And it's like to me it's like a flicker. You know? It feels like it could be two seconds. A or film it shutter's been, happening. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be two seconds or it could have been two minutes. Who knows? And it happened while I was driving. One minute I was driving straight on the highway. And then next thing I know I'm about to hit this pole. And so I panic oh and God. I cut. And I hit the brakes and I cut and this car started to spin and it kept spinning. And next thing you know, it started to flip and the car flipped over four oh times, gosh. landed on the driver's side. Quick story. I climbed out, survived. Somehow the first person How I called. How did she make an accident a whole cinematic experience? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but it's cashmere. But I climbed out. No, I literally climbed out the driver, the passenger side window. Oh there, my it God. was like four in the morning. So only one truck driver was on the road. So he saw the whole thing go down. Oh, I climbed out, go to him because he pulled over, climbed to him. He was like, honestly, I thought I was watching the Michael Jackson thriller video because he was like, from what I saw, you should be dead. But he's like, out of nowhere. He's like, you I saw. Out he goes, I saw a car wreck. And next thing I know, I just see somebody start crawling oh out the my car. Gosh. And I'm like, yeah 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 and i'm like i need your phone bro and then the first person i called not my mother not a family member the producer of the music video that i was going to be shooting yeah and i'm like what do i do bro and he's like for first of all for are you okay i'm like i'm fine i'm calling you like how i get to set man he's like deal with that stuff first call your mom do whatever do deal with that so anyways i call then i call my mom mom comes and gets me Please, the ambulance, everything comes. I'm fine. The car's a wreck. The car is totaled, but I'm fine. And I'm like, Mom, I need to get to set. So Mom comes against me. Um, we drive. We're outside of Belleville. I drop my mom um, at somewhere like Ajax, at a, a relative's place. And then I drive downtown to the shoot. I got mud on my hair, mud on my clothes, everything. Um, and I did the whole shoot. Uh, while we do the shoot in one of the sets that my art department was setting up in in this studio, and they were they they created a whole doctor's lab. Yeah, it takes hours to do. Okay, and then a grip grips people that put up, set yeah, up lights yeah. and stuff. A grip decides to put a light right next to a um, smoke sprinkler. So oh we rehearse, we rehearse. Everything's ready. Boom, boom, bap. I'm like, hey, we ready to shoot? Perfect. I walk back to the monitor. As I'm walking back to the monitor, I hear this crash like lightning. And everybody, I turn around and everyone's running the opposite way of me. I'm like, what the hell's going on? They're like, it's raining on the set. I'm like, what do you mean? It's raining on the set. We're indoors. I go back into the room and it is raining inside because those lights are hot, right? On set. And it set off the sprinklers. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, I, <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm like, I almost died. I survived a car wreck. I make it to set all for it to rain indoors on my when shoot. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. And I'm like, I had to walk away from everything. And at that point in time, I literally was a moment where I was like, I feel like God was trying to tell me something because I had been doing it for a while. I had been, it had been maybe at least seven years mm-hmm. into my pursuit. And I'm busy working, but like we were talking about, that financial thing doesn't come right away. I was mm-hmm. like, but I'm still a struggling artist. You know what I mean? Like, I still got to borrow money from my mother, you know? Even though I got music videos that are playing on much music all the time, and I'm getting nominated for MMVAs and things like that. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like, and I go, here I am, I almost died just to get to this shoot off where it's a fucking rain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, maybe God 
God is trying to tell me that you gave it a good try. You had some fun. You traveled. You made mm-hmm. some cool shit. Maybe it's time to like go get a real job. Um, and I, the whole time I'm having that thought because everyone's afraid to, to say anything to me now because they're like, oh, the director's probably pissed. While I'm thinking that thought and having that thought process with myself, my crew is rebuilding the whole set in another room. And and Dedication. I didn't know. So out of, yeah. some, out of nowhere, they came to me. They said, we're ready. I said, what do you mean we're ready? They're like, let's go. I'm like, it was raining. They're like, no, nah, the art department, they rebuilt. The, I'm like... And I'm like, they rebuilt in 30 minutes what took two hours yeah. to do. They're like, yeah, they're like my crew. They worked hard. And especially like they was like, come on, Kaz just came here from a freaking car accident. Car accident. Yeah. If she we got to do, do it. We do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, OK. And I shot that video. And it, the end of the day ended up being one of the like in my own personal favorites. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that video. It was like an amazing video. It turned out great. A lot of money went into it. A lot of work and everything. And and then I realized the end of the in the next morning i realized i was like nah god wasn't telling me to stop he was telling me to go harder Mm -hmm. because i was like i literally almost died Mm -hmm. and i didn't and i and so many things stopped me try to stop me from getting that done and i still got it done and i was like i felt like god is literally telling me like like if you don't direct your ass off you're gonna die Mm -hmm. and that was where director die comes from because i'm just like i I could have died, but it, my my drive is what because I wasn't even yeah I didn't even realize I didn't even process that I was in a car accident until I got home at night. Once I got home and I finally took a shower and washed and the, the mud out my hair, yeah, the that was when all of a sudden the emotions came pouring and I realized I broke down crying. I realized I literally almost fucking died and somehow I'm I swear a lot. I'm sorry. You're good. But, you know what I mean? But I'm like, and I'm here. And that's mm-hmm. trippy because I'm scared to death. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know there's some people that they say they're ready to die. Me, I'm not. We talked know? about that. Yeah. And, and, and I almost did. And I fa- and then the, even that I realized I was like I I came face to face with my number one fear, which is not being here. And still kept and going. I, and I'm still passion. here. Mm-hmm. And it was all for my passion is what kept me going. That mm-hmm. adrenaline. I feel like if I hadn't have been all about that, it might have been different. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so I was realized like God is telling me like direct or die. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where that's where it comes from. And that's what that's what keeps me going every day. Because I every day that I am able to. Not only just be here, alive, I got no scratches on me, no limbs, no missing eyes, no nothing, you know what I mean? And, and breathe and all that, and, but also every day that I'm able to do what I do is, is a gift from God, you know what I mean? And I got to appreciate that, and that's why I'm like, I got to keep doing it, because I literally feel like directing for me is like breathing, and if I'm not directing, I'm not breathing, and when you're not breathing, you're dead. That was... I'm I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> that was a moment. Um, take a second and just like give yourself some kudos, first of all, for enduring that. But give yourself a moment to like for listeners and whoever's watching to like understand some of the accolades that you've been able to accomplish or receive through your career so far. Like you have a plaque sitting beside you, but like you have kind of all over the place but like talk about some of the most i guess significant and it doesn't necessarily even need to be awards but just like some of the most significant moments so far to you that truly embody you know that dedication to your craft and yeah i mean <clears throat> the plaques are definitely one thing i mean the plaques are cool because like i told you you know four-year-old cash wanted to be the superstar yeah i wanted to be the artist like when you walked in my house you saw yeah, all yeah, the yeah. grammys <laughs> and all the plaques but then i was like it was when i 
when I was committed to being a filmmaker, I was like, that's out the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? But who knew that I would still get my plaques? Mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I've worked with a lot of artists that have had a lot of success, you know, that have gotten, you know, platinum singles and, and gold singles and all that sort of stuff. And I've contributed to that, you know? So it's like, I still got my gold plaques. I still got my platinum plaques, um, which is cool. Um, uh, for me, I'd say, like, things which is awesome is, like, um, like I've worked with Snoop Dogg, you know what I mean? Snoop Dogg was the first CD that I bought with my own money, Doggy Style. Mm-hmm. My mom w- wouldn't let me buy it. And the explicit version, yeah, remember yeah. when they used to have yeah, yeah, clean yeah. and explicit yeah, versions? Can, and and I remember, yeah, and yeah. I remember I snuck to Zeller's. Like, I had my allowance money because mom wasn't wow. even buying the clean version for me. I was like, mom, but it's clean version. She was like, listen, ain't no album called Doggy Style got a clean version. I'll tell you that much. And I was like, nah, I'm telling you, mom, it's clean. She still wouldn't buy it. So I snuck to Zeller's and bought um, the Doggy Style explicit version. Um, and then to 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 grow up and, and work, work with, with Snoop, that was cool. Um, I've worked with the Backstreet Boys, which is super cool. Like, super I, cool. I, um, I remember... Um, when I work with Howie D from the Backstreet Boys, I work with a couple of different members of them. And, and when I work with Howie, we did the video and I played it cool. And then at the end of the shoot, um, so we encountered each other for like a week. And then at the end of the shoot, I, he was like, you know, good job, Cash and everything. And I was like, bro, I got to tell you this, man. And I'm like, listen, I, I'm like, I went to high school in the 90s in yep. 96 97 i go i graduated in 2000 and I'm like you know where i'm getting out this i'm like i'm a high school girl when you guys are at your pinnacle <laughs> obviously i was a fan you know what i mean and i'm like i'm like i can't lie and i told him it's funny because i go me and one of my friends <clears throat> in high school we play volleyball together because every girl in high school liked the backstreet boys yeah um regardless of what one. Race, yeah but you one. all picked one i was like told her and i go i go um Kevin, I go, him, Howie and Kevin were always our favorites. I go, I wasn't into the blonde boys and the pretty. I was like, nah. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, you like those Latino boys, eh? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, like, that's cool to me. Because yeah. I, I, I'm a high, like, come on now. Most high school girls would have dreamed just to see a Backstreet Boy walking by. And I'm like, I worked with a couple Backstreet Boys. You I, know mean, I mean, I worked in a club and Scary Spice came. This is like, I don't know less than 10 years ago but scary spice came to the club and i didn't know till she was on her way out and i heard the voice and i was like did i just miss a spice girl in the club and no one told me and my friend was like yeah who cares and i was like me me i care care. yeah no i totally care so i i literally said i go you know i gotta be professional about it so i didn't want to mention it before but i'm like we're done that job's done yeah that job's done so i'm just like you know we got our pictures and he was like oh cats like he gave me some hugs i was like oh my god i got hugged by howie i immediately like went on facebook and went to my old high school friend was like girl guess what (laughs) you know she was like what that's awesome you know but like you know things like that and you know i've i've traveled the world you know what i mean like i've i've been to That's i've filmed in africa itself. i've yeah. filmed in the motherland i've filmed in south america like i've been to places that i know i never would have been had i not been doing what mm-hmm. i do you know what i mean like i where i come from most people in uniacs or in halifax don't leave halifax you know what i mean and and it's crazy enough that not only have I left Canada, like I've been to the four corners 
of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to every continent except for Asia, and I was actually supposed to go film in Asia <clears throat> last year, 2020. But we all know what a bitch that year was, you know. So, and it's still gonna happen. We just had to, you know, things just get pushed in projects and stuff like that. But have to adapt. I, you know, like these are the things that I dreamed of as a kid. I just didn't know that it would be in this way but this everything realm? that yeah. i've dreamed of since i was a kid um i've done you know i've seen the pyramids i love the pyramids since i was a kid and that's freaking cool and i've got to film them and mm-hmm. i got i got paid to do that you know what i mean like that's cool i get paid to travel the world that's amazing and create a story out of it. and create stories out of it you know and 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 that's awesome to me you know and obviously the awards and things like that like mmvas and film festivals mm-hmm. like you know all that stuff is great <clears throat> you know what i mean but to do what you love. To do what I love yeah. is the biggest thing. Yeah, man, that's cool. Like I look at sometimes it's funny because I look at my friends from high school because I'm old enough now to have a, a a twenty plus high school reunion. You know, oh, two year old and 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 I look at my friends that I went to high school with and they're all like living adult lives. Like you know they've got families and they've got the nice. Laughing house. at adult lives. Yeah, but no, I like We're not it. Living I adult lives. It. I admire it because sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, did I make the wrong choice? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I spent, <clears throat> I spent all that them years chasing Same. my career. Same. You know, I chased it from the moment I left high school. I started chasing after my dream, um, and then I'm like, man, but did I miss out? But then it's funny because when we talk, they think the same thing to me like mm-hmm. they look at my life and they're like you know they admire the fact they're like you always said that you were going to do this like if i have all my high school yearbooks and in every you know all the messages you used mm-hmm. to write your friends in the yearbooks that's what they say can't wait till you go to hollywood can't wait till you're doing this that and they see it now they're all like you you said what you were going to say and you're doing it and they admire that well i'm looking at their nice family lives where it's like simple no stress yeah. you know what i mean like family they know trips to disneyland yeah <laughs> you know you go you go to work monday to friday every two weeks somebody but puts money in your account you know what i mean you just got to pay your mortgage you know soccer days at school and things like that and i'm like man that might be nice sometimes because it's less stress but then they're looking at me also like man you're traveling the world your shit is cinematic yeah you go to you know cool parties and you know you know cool people and you know what i mean and get to go to concerts and festivals and all that sort of stuff and they're looking at it like your life is cool you know it's just weird like you know how how adulthood is like that but um I don't hold any regrets because like my friends, you know, from high school and all that say like I I I went after I had a dream and I went after it, you know? It's not done, but I'm I'm greatly Working immensely mm-hmm. I'm greatly immensely grateful for what I've achieved so far, you know, and and what my work has given back to me. <clears throat> Knowing that you um you sit down with you know, younger people who are aspiring to do what you do or something in the same realm, the same industry, you know, what is like, besides the, you know, if you're in it for the money thing, like what's a a major like takeaway for some of these people or just anyone who's like really pursuing their passion wholeheartedly? Like what's a major takeaway for you that you would tell them? Um, I mean, I guess something that I would say is, like, not everybody's gonna like you. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you're making art, if you're making art for everybody to like, like, not to say you don't want it to be good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you shouldn't be making it just for people to like. Mm -hmm. Make it for a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. No. 
I get what you're saying. Because not everybody's going to like your stuff. Yeah, not every, it should have a standard, a standard quality. quality. It should be good and you should but put your whole heart into gonna it. Be a yeah. Fan. But not everyone's going to be a fan. So so who cares? Yeah. You know make what I'm saying? Yeah. Just make it for the reason that it's supposed to be made. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love that. Even now, like, you know, I'm, I write for film and TV and I'm working on, you know, TV shows and I'm working on my first movie and things like that. And it's like, <clears throat> you know, um, my film is all about like hard hitting topics. You know, it's about racism in Canada and systemic racism and, and, and abuse of authority and things like that. And and people are like. Yeah, but we've seen all those movies. And I'm like, have you, though? Yeah, I was going to say, but have you? Have you? So if you've seen them, tell me why people seem to think that systemic racism in Canada doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, people may not like all that, you know? Like, Canada likes to, like, they're... They sweep everything under the rug. Yes. And people may not like that you're, like, showing the ugly face of Canada and stuff. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, people need to know this, you know? People don't like to come too close to, um, you know, the mirror. They don't want to see yeah. themselves or see w- where they're from or what they represent at too close of a view. Yeah, like, people are like, people may have a hard time accepting that or sw- might be a hard yeah. pill to swallow. swallow yeah. And I'm like, I don't care because, you know, what's a hard pill for me to swallow the conditions that my people live yeah. in and, 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 and to watch on a daily a country tell us that this doesn't exist in the very country we live in but it continues to do but it continues you know what i mean i'm like that's what i care about i go i'm not making this for you you know i'm not making this to make white people or non-people of color to feel good or comfortable about themselves Mm -hmm. i want you to feel uncomfortable because y'all are too comfortable in this belief that systemic racism doesn't exist in this country you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm making this story i don't care if people don't like my Mm -hmm. movie you know what I mean? They will, you know, because I know it's going to be good. But because I'm not worried about that. With the right people, exactly. and for the people that it doesn't resonate with, it's actually still resonating because it's working backwards. Like people, it's not resonating because it doesn't sit well for them. Mm-hmm. Chances are, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's such a good message, um, you know, and that doesn't just go for creating films or creating, you know, music or artwork. It really just goes for anyone in general who's creating something that they're passionate about, whether you know, it's in a whole different industry, but it's not everyone's going to like what you do. But if you're passionate about it and you're on the do or die, direct or die vibe mindset, I think you'll execute it in a way that continues to be, you know, shows your commitment and your dedication to something. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit, I wouldn't say off topic. It's still all about passion and dedication, but like myself knowing you, you know, you are passionate about fitness and you're passionate about boxing and basketball. So talk to me a little bit about that and like, you know, how that plays into, um, you know, who you are and part of what you create as well. Um, I mean, like, because you're pretty hardcore when it comes to athleticism. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, although I always thought that I like deep down, I want to be the, the superstar um, for a long point. In my life, I thought I was going to be an athlete mm-hmm. because I was good at it. Like, I, when you're the, like, f- one of the handful of black kids at a mm-hmm. white school, you know, they, let's be real, they, they assume that you can play, play every anything. sport. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I went to a poor school, so they kind of <laughs> just made us play every sport, even if you weren't good. Yeah, they're like, "You're black, you can play this, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And it turns out that I could. Like, I've played sports since elementary school, mm-hmm. and I was just always the good black girl at the school. What's to be favorite, honest, what's your favorite sport to play? To play, ah, uh, to play with probably be volleyball really cool. um basketball comes in a very close second um those are the two main sports that i played predominantly throughout throughout all school so elementary school mm-hmm. junior high high school um and university but those are my two main sports but i played everything mm-hmm. like i did basketball volleyball track and field softball wow i uh, played a little badminton um yeah i did um, i was just the stats girl and the lines girl uh, and the no every every girl. every year every season you know what i mean i was playing a sport throughout wow. the whole school year and then um i got into boxing kind of late um uh i come from a family of boxers mm-hmm. you know my my grandfather my grandfather was a boxer in the military um his brother my my great uncle um, was a boxer for a pre- professional boxer for a number of years. He was at one point, uh, and still to this day, he's held uh, the middleweight title in Canada longer than any any Canadian fighter. Wow. Um, they're both in, and his son, my cousin David. He was an Olympic boxer. He's won some Olympic medals and things like that. All three of them are in uh, the Canadian Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, and yeah, it's just I I'm athletically inclined. It's always been my thing. Like I as a kid. Um, all the growing up, I have a large family. We have a lot of cousins, as you know. But um, I was at an age where all the girl cousins were either too old to care to hang out with me, or too young for me to want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. So all the cousins of my age were the boys. So, so I grew up got, like a tomboy. Yeah, so I yeah. played. I know how to throw a football. You know, like I know how to make it spiral. Like um, we dug in the dirt. You know, we did all those things. Um, so yeah. Anyways, I got into boxing like late. Like as I was pursuing my career, right. Um, I had stopped being physical, uh, and it was actually starting to like have a, a toll on my body. Like mm-hmm. my body was literally deconditioning itself, mm-hmm. and it was giving me like really bad chest pains. And my doctor, like we went to specialists, did all kinds of cardiology tests and things like that. And then my doctor gave me the diagnosis: is like basically your body is saying, "Girl, get your shit back together." Oh <laughs> it was God. like well, yeah, we're used to being my whole life, time. my yeah, whole yeah. entire life. Like I wake up early to this day. Like even if I'm just laying in bed, because my body is just like programmed. Like I would wake up early to go to practices, all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. he literally was like, "Your body, your whole life has been used to being one physical way." And in a physical condition, and now you're not doing that, and you're forcing your body to go into a different physical state, and it's like we don't like it. Shut this. down, yeah. And so he was like, "You gotta start doing some physical activity." Um, so I just started. A friend of mine that worked at a label here in, in Toronto would just go work out at a boxing gym and take like little boxing classes. Yeah, and I do it stuff. too. And, I used to do it too. And so, but it was at like a real hardcore boxing yeah. gym, Cabbage Town Boxing Gym, which is a legendary boxing gym yeah, here in Toronto. It's classic. And I went there. And after the first little class, you know, when they, they, the coach does, like, pad work with the ladies, you know what I mean? And it was, like, mostly a bunch of, like, middle-aged white ladies yeah. that were in this class. And then here I am. And he's, like, doing the pad work. He's, like, all right, one, two. And I just go, pop, pop. And he's just, like. And the sound, the first, sweet yeah, sound the of first punches, the That first one, two, he just stopped. And he was, like, huh, okay. And he's, like, do it again. One, one, two. I was, like, pop, pop, pop. And he was, like, he stops. And he's, like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Halifax. And he's like, what's your last name? Like, my last name is Downey, you know? And then, and in the boxing world, that you know it's that name if you're a boxer. Yeah. So he was like, 
would you be related to uh, David Downey? I was like, yeah, that's my uncle. He's like, your uncle? I'm like, yeah, that's my grandfather's brother. He's like, who's your grandfather? And I'm like, my grandfather's uh, Bobby Downey. He was like... You don't need this class. He's like, what the hell are you doing? He was like, come here. He's basically it's like, in your blood. Yeah, he's like, he's like, if you want to work out, you can work out, but you don't need this class. And I just started going to him just to work out, you know. And then somehow they conned me into into sparring um, with some of the girls wow. that were fighting there. And then once they conned me into that, they're like, you might as well just do an amateur fight. So they conned me into doing an amateur fight. Um, I won. Then they come in and doing some more fights. Somehow I became an amateur. So boxer. you like low key. You like low key did become a star for like a hot minute. I guess. Minute. I guess. <laughs> I low key was like I, I. somehow became an amateur boxer for a minute, and then um, they were they were they really really were trying to push me to go pro, but. I was like, eh, eh. like first of all, I was like, no diss, but women boxers don't make nearly enough money for me. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. They don't treat them girls good at all, which, you know, a lot of there's, you know, um, uh, gender equality in, in yeah. pay and sports yeah. is a thing. And, and I'm not trying to compare, say that they can fight the man or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but the amount of money that they make is trash and yeah. i was like nah they don't make enough money for me sorry i'm, I'm better hashtag director my- die <laughs> yeah no i was like and i told her and i was like and i'm about that film like, like film is my passion and i was just like i one i like my face you know what yeah, i mean that's a that's a hard no and for me. i was like it's hard enough for me being a woman as a director on set you know trying to get a crew of men to listen to me how you think i'm how am i gonna listen to me when i'm walking in with black eyes and stuff like oh that gosh. you know what i mean i was like nah i'm just like film is my passion mm-hmm. you know um i could have been an athlete but it was i've I, I was meant to be a storyteller i was meant to be a filmmaker you know because i i've had so many opportunities to take different paths in lives but it's always steered me right back in this path yeah yeah i just wanted to touch on it because like i know i have the opportunity to know some of these things about you just because we're friends and we talk all the time but you know i don't know if a lot of people know all of these things about you because there's so many like you're so multifaceted there's Mm. so many layers to you and it seems like every one of your layers comes with a story but it's all (laughs) it's exactly what you said everything like steers back to who you are as a filmmaker and a storyteller because it's storytelling i mean look at look at me i'm built like an athlete yeah so in all honesty i'm supposed to like do pad work with cashmere (laughs) and i'm terrified when i was like seven people used to be like do you work out and i'm like i'm seven Seven. (laughs) like where what gym membership am i getting i'm seven swinging kettlebells i guess yeah like i was again like my 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 family's dna is like we're all kind of built like that yeah. like we all could be athletes yeah. but i do have a pretty athletic athletic body um again it's it's just like with storytelling it's like i could not be athletic even if i tried right yeah i'm not that i'm the opposite but i'm here to help you i know i know <laughs> okay so this is going to like spiral in a little bit of a different direction but um just knowing you and knowing your personality and then we were just uh talking you kind of touched on like you know people taking you seriously in the industry, which I know can be really challenging in mm-hmm. general uh, in Toronto uh, as a female, um, you know, making a name for yourself. Toronto is a very, for lack of a better word, cliquey network. You know, you got to be in or you're not in kind of thing. And like you could be in, but there's like a secondary in. And it's a very interesting world. But, mm-hmm. you know, I spun off your director die um, slogan and or your mantra, really. Um, but the word direct and just myself knowing you, you are a very authentic, direct person. And, you know, 
when it comes to this business, how do you think being that type of person is portrayed or received or, you know, like what is kind of what's the tone of a room when you are that type of person when you're in this industry? Um, <clears throat> I mean, most of my like, I don't really do music videos too much anymore, mm-hmm. but, you know, and at, at the height of my music video career, um, I, and, you know, I, I predominantly did like urban music videos, mm-hmm. you know, and at the time I was pretty much doing music videos for everyone else who's who in, in the Toronto urban music scene. Yeah. And, and apparently, um, the word on the streets is that I was known as, oh, Cashmere is a bitch. And I'm like, okay, I'm a pretty nice person. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty cool and chill. Like, we turn up, we have, yeah. like, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and I'm like, well, who's saying this? And it's like, all these people, but, you know, I, I one, I didn't care. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, and I knew, and I knew what, people. what yeah. people were, it's, first of all, it's a bunch of men. Yeah. Okay. It's a bunch of black men, mostly. Um, and what they mean to say is that, cashmere doesn't play mm-hmm. like and and i'm like why because i do good at my job mm-hmm. because when Your they focus. see me on set I, I i know how to direct and control and maintain order mm-hmm. on my set and i don't waste time you know what i mean like i'm i'm focused and so i'm about getting shit done and you know it's urban music videos, it's rap videos, a lot of people on set, a lot of oh, I've been on those sets, stuff. it's a and hot mess saw, sometimes. I, and you've seen it, and I'm not afraid to tell everybody, shut the fuck up, because I'm trying to shoot a shot right now. Yeah. And if you're not me, you don't need to be speaking. And it, if I don't get this shot, it's on me and nobody yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. why I say, and I go because if the video don't turn out dope, who they gonna blame? Mm-hmm. Me, mm-hmm. exactly. Because I say directed by Cashmere on there, and you think I'm gonna let anybody get in the way of that? Nah, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So if that if that's what equates to Casimir as a bitch, I was like, I don't care because at the end of the day, aren't y'all still coming to me for your videos? Yeah. So <laughs> that's your you problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's what were we talking about again? Be- being a direct person. Being a direct person. Yeah. yeah. But that's that. Oh yeah. So that's the perception that, that got it is. equated that is, with being a bitch. That got equated. Yeah. That's yeah. what people would equate that to. And I would just say when people, I'm, I would tell people, I'm like, that don't bother me because literally, that's just a bunch of men that don't know how to use their words. What they're really trying to say is that they're not used to a woman not backing down, being assertive, being yep. assertive, not backing down mm-hmm. to them. I've had like you know our good friend Harvey Stripes. That's my dog you know what i mean that's my homie mm-hmm. people will say you ask harvey's like cash that's my sister you know what i mean but we had our journey toe to toe. Yeah. We, we, we had our journey but in that is why like we made some great stuff like we put on for the city we yeah. done videos that like in ways that people in Epic. toronto had yeah. never seen before you know what i mean and and to get to that point like i remember um after we did a video it's him and juicy j dolly on that molly and <laughs> we were filming in niagara and then after the shoot we went to the strip club, we having a drink or whatever, and he was like, "Cash, you know what?" He was like, "He's like, I fucks with you heavy," and he's like, "I get it." And he even said, "He's like, it's not easy dealing with a bunch of niggas," you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, "And you hold it down, you know?" And he's like, "I'm not gonna lie, the first shoot, the first time he saw me, I was shooting a video for a game, and he was mm-hmm. coming through to make a cameo, and it was." Uh, a loft party scene we're doing at the time and a lot of people you know how it gets it's hard to 
to control a lot Navigate of people, everything. noise and yep. all that stuff, but I need my crew to hear me. And Harvey just happened to walk in at a time where I was trying to get my crew to hear the direction of what we're going to do with the scene, but everyone's making noise. And he walks in right as I'm basically telling everybody, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I need to work. I understand y'all are here and you're having fun, but this is actual work yep. for us. And we all are here to give A-game a good video. In order to do that, I need y'all to shut the fuck up so that my crew can hear what I'm saying yep. so that we can get this scene done. Yeah. And Harvey was like, he walks in the scene and that, and he was like, yo, he's like, who the fuck gave her the crown? And I'm like, and I laugh, right? But he's like, you know, and, but he's, but again, he still, and we hadn't worked together yet, but yeah. who did he call for his next video with him featuring Lloyd? Yeah. Me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he saw the video and he's like, I get it. And he was like, like, and I respected that. And that's why me and Harvey are like, like brother and sister to this day, because mm-hmm. even he, at one point he was like, I get it, you know? And Harvey understood it, but most of the guys don't. That's why the only words that they can get out of that is, oh, cashmere is a bitch. a bitch. Yeah. I find that to be the case in a lot of situations, in a lot of industries, in a lot of realms, when a woman is a very assertive or direct woman, that often stigmatizes that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people who are, you know, able to process that in a different way they can see what the outcome of that is you know someone who's direct is getting shit done and getting their business done you know it's funny because working doing my events and and having a you know a small crew that works with me on some of the weddings and events i do it's hard because i want to give opportunity sometimes to new people to have exposure to work with me on certain things but sometimes i have to factor in the fact that i am very direct when i'm working so mm-hmm. I'm I'm about my business and I just want to tell people go there do this listen to me be here pick up that whatever and it's hard because if you are a direct person especially when you're in pursuit of the thing that you're focused on you can offend some people because mm-hmm. you know you're not thinking you're not playing into their sensitivities you're 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 getting your shit done so I can totally envision what it's like I mean I've been on a set so I've I've definitely seen it and but I also I had it. to because I wouldn't be where I am today I wouldn't people wouldn't have been coming to Kashmir yeah. to get their videos done if had you I were not, shutting down yeah if yeah. I had shut down if I had been this like you know this you know quiet submissive female you know what I mean I yeah. wouldn't I where pro- would you where be? would I be yeah. yeah you know what I mean they wouldn't be coming to me for their videos you know what I'm saying they would have went to somebody else and they wouldn't have been because like I had like I'm a young black girl you know what I mean mm-hmm. living in a rich white man's world Mm -hmm. in the film world being the director i didn't choose to be the stylist the hair makeup wardrobe art department none of those things i chose to be the top of the fucking food chain yeah you know what i mean and that's not easy you know and i don't and you don't get to be the top of the food chain especially being the director the 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 word direct is in the title yeah direct you're telling people what the fuck to do yeah (laughs) exactly yeah you know what i mean and 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 it's just like what, what do you expect like that's director the job is to direct people and everything and everything which means i gotta tell you what to do yeah you know what i'm saying people are not gonna listen to me if i'm not assertive if i don't Mm -hmm. mean if i'm like oh i think maybe i want you to stand over there and do this you know what i mean yeah like no this is what we're doing you know so on and so forth how does that play into your personal life being such a direct person (laughs) i spun that on you Um, I ask that because <laughs> you and I have a fun relationship because I'm like the softy one in this Sorry. relationship. Yeah. And you're such a direct person, I mean, but I come to you for that directness for sure. Because sometimes sure. you need that balance. You can't have everybody. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I, Maria and I spoke about this on episode 
three and the soaking it all up and all of that and we talked about having a circle around you and the people that feed into you and you don't always need to hear the soft sweet shit sometimes you need the direct honesty because how will that elevate you my friends know um listen don't come to me if you don't want to hear the the truth truth. (laughs) (laughs) this is a fact plain and simple and i tell you the truth because i love you you know what i mean like why would i want to lie to you you know um again i'm very i'm very blunt i'm very direct you know whether it's work it's it's who i am Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um i am my mother's child if you know my mother you would (laughs) understand that um it can be so here's the thing a learning thing for me and even in 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 working in film it's like i I have this, like I said, look at me. I'm built like an athlete. I have this aggressiveness to me that's just natural. I, I am the exact opposite of that on the inside. You know what I mean? But it, there's this exterior that that leads. And and even on set, like, I don't like to be asked questions and stuff, but I realize, like, I'm the director. People going to ask, ask me you questions. questions. <laughs> you know? And I always have this tone about it, and I've worked on it. Like, like my, my, my best friend, um, Caitlin, uh Caitlin Wright, shout out to Caitlin Wright, shout out to Kaish. Um, you know, she says that when she sees me on set now, she's like, Yo, I'm so proud of you. She's like, I see you on set now. You're like, that's my friend. Cause I've learned well, how Before she's to, like, I don't know that. Well, just because like <laughs> I just had a ways about it. It's like, yeah. you know, just like my delivery was very brash. Yeah. You know? And I really could make people feel like small. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And that's not what I want, you yeah. know? Um, but I still want to be direct and, and straight to the point. And I've had to work on that. Um, in my work life and in my personal life, just in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, but again, if like I said, if you if you know my mother, you'd understand like <laughs> where it comes from. Where it comes from. Yeah. It's just she, my mom. My mom's a military brat. Mm-hmm. She was raised on an army base, mm-hmm. so I just tell people, I'm like, listen, in the military, there's no bedside manner no. with that. It's 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 militant. You know what I mean? So it's it's there ain't no feelings involved. So it's just straight to the point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I was raised under that i was raised by my mother and my grandfather you know and her dad he was the military man so um it's taken some some reprogramming to find a a, a balance mm-hmm. of that but but what i like is and what i appreciate that you know what my friends will say is that you know they they appreciate that about me that's what my friends come to it's me the for essence of you, i'm yeah. a good listener um, part of that comes from being a storyteller because as writers, like, we listen, you know what I mean? Because that's where we, you know, retain information. Like, as uh, we we reflect, like, human behavior for a living as filmmakers and storytellers. And, and part of that requires you to have a certain um, level of listening skill. Um, and I have that, which, you know, works well in my personal life with, you know, friends, families, and loved ones. Um, but then also they know that, I'm going to give it to them straight, yeah, when you, you know, but I tell them and I'm like, listen, you know, I say this with love, but sometimes it ain't going to come out nice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I mean nice when I'm saying it to you, but I'm, I'm definitely like a, a, a tough love type mm-hmm. of person, but it's the biggest love, but it's with know? the most intent to, oh, yeah, yeah, for show sure. Love. Yeah, for sure. But I ain't got time for all that. You don't got time for your feelings. You know what I mean? Like, listen, you come for me for the truth or what, you know, or you come for me to just stroke your feelings, and you know, everything. Yeah, yeah, you can go to someone else for that. that you ain't going to get that from me, which is in, in all reality, it's kind of ironic because you're, you create stories and like finesse something into this like beautiful storyline or or a film or you know uh a project or or whatever 
but yet in your communication style, you're just like, there is no story here. Yeah, <laughs> this is just no. A, B, and C. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of ironic, actually. I don't warm you up first. You know, there's no foreplay involved. <laughs> it's just straight to the point. Oh, my gosh. So funny. Okay, so you kind of touched on what's next for you. Tell me a little bit before we're gonna do we're gonna do the this or that game because I wanna I wanna That's ask some yeah I wanna ask it. some fun questions. Um, but tell me what's next for you. I know that you said that you're working on you know your writing and you're working on a project right now. But like, what's next for you? Like in the immediate and what what do you envision coming up? Um, what's next for me in the immediate is I'm working on my first film, mm-hmm. my first feature length film. Um. <clears throat> Uh, I'm also working on um, like a, a TV show for for like a network. Mm-hmm. I'm writing and directing it. Um, it's a new show in development, so I've got a writing partner that we're working for. Um, but yeah, which is dope. So it's my first like network. Like I'm writing and directing, so it's and I'm that's part what of the I was just development gonna, thing. In, I was sorry to interrupt you. I was just gonna say. Being a director, I, I don't know a lot, but being a director, does that mean you have to be a skilled writer as well? Or no, because there's directors, yeah. a writer and a director are two different things. Yeah. I just happen to do both. There are some directors that write and there are some writers that direct. Yeah. But there are also writers that don't, that just write and there's directors that just direct. And they align with someone who sees their vision. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, like, um, like Spike Lee is a writer director, but he hasn't written every movie that he's mm-hmm. directed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for you, sorry, I cut you off. So for you, you're working with a writer. Yeah. You're so, writing as well. Yeah. Um, a, uh, a writing comrade, you know, a mind comrade, like I'm a communist, but you know what I'm saying? Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> a, a writing a, a homie, colleague. a writing colleague. There you go. That's the word. Homie um, yeah. A writing homie of mine. Um, she, she, she thought of an idea for a show, pitched it to this network that I can't really say just yet, mm-hmm. but pitched it to the network. They loved it. They greenlit it, as we say. Like, when somebody says, yeah, it's a go in the industry, we say it's greenlit. Mm-hmm. They greenlit it, put it into development. Um, she brought me on as a co-writer. Um, so we have developed this That's show. Exciting. And we've written it together. Um, and I'm going to be directing half of the episodes. That's super um, exciting. So, yeah. So, I'm still working on that. Um, and then, yeah, two, like I said, my TV show and the movies. Um long term just tv show and movies that's it <laughs> just some tv show and some movies. yeah and i've got a couple other tv shows that i'm developing and things like that you know um i'm working on a short film currently um long term for me is um wow i mean i you know what really and truly what is long term for me is i want to own a night of primetime television wow meaning you see how um like Thursday nights belongs to Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's dwindling. I'm a fan, it's by dwindling the way. down now because yeah. she's now moved. She's got to deal with Netflix, and mm-hmm. so like her first show at Netflix mm-hmm. is that show Bridgerton. But she's owned Thursday night on primetime television because she's had Grey's, Grey's Anatomy, Anatomy. Scan- <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, Station Nineteen, uh, think, Station yeah. Nineteen, um, Private Practice. Mm-hmm. Um, bunch of shows she yeah. owns it that's her yeah. night everybody knows thursday night belongs to shonda um and and yeah i would love to i would love to own a night of primetime television because i'm a tv junkie like i love movies but i'm a tv junkie mm-hmm. you know like i i've i've spent my entire life um in front of the tv you know my my mom when i was a kid because my mom was 21 when i was born mm-hmm. and she loved soap operas mm-hmm. every soap opera um, and she loved like murder mysteries, you know. So we watched like 
Perry Mason, really old black and white show. Mm-hmm. Um, Matlock, Murder She yeah. Wrote. Murder She Wrote. You know, Murder She Wrote. And then as I grew up, I developed a taste for like all the other like law criminal shows. Yeah. So like Law and Orders, yeah. the um, uh, uh, what's the one with Horatio Kane? Uh, CSI. Yeah, CSI, CSI, yeah. all the CSIs. <laughs> See, I took my glasses like Horatio. <laughs> so all the CSIs and uh, Criminal Minds, yeah. and and I'm a very like I'm a very big fan of, like murder mysteries and like who done it and like thrillers and suspenses and all that um on tv and i love you like, like to see the progression of the storyline yeah, yeah i love too. following tv i love following characters like we're like movies are cool but they're so like they end you know what i mean see like, i'm the same way i tell your girl that all the time i like to watch a show that has like seven seasons and 20 episodes yeah a <laughs> they say it doesn't have legs in the t- in, in the tv world like when you're pitching a new show to like a network and stuff so you're you know obviously you're pitching like the first season here's what's happening but they show they like shows that have legs so does this show have legs meaning mm-hmm. can this show can the Continue premise on. carry on for mm-hmm. five six seasons and so on and so forth and 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 i i love that world you know what i mean i i'm big tv buff so you know i I love, you know, now I watch things like, um, I'm a big fan of Ryan Murphy. Um, Ryan Murphy, he, uh, he's a co-creator of American Horror Story. Okay. Um, also co-creators of, um, oh, American, yeah, crime, like, American, like crime, American Crime Story. So the American Crime Story is an anthology series. So the first season was, um, People vs. O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Then the second season was the assassination of Gianni Versace. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've done shows like Nip Tuck, <coughs> Scream oh, yeah. Qu- Nip Tuck, Scream Queens, um, current show called Pose. Okay. Um, like they sound more familiar. Yeah. He's the man. You know what I mean? Um, Ryan Murphy and Bradley Falk. Uh, they're the the the, the partners. Mm-hmm. They're the duo, and they create gold, man. And um, yeah, and I aspire to to be like them. Like I wanna. They own FX. Like the FX yeah. next works. All those shows run on FX. You know. So so that's that's the long term we'll goal have, for me. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a director. Cashmere you know what I mean. I want to have like remember TV. on Fox when it was like Martin then Living Single and then New yeah, York Undercover back back. like back to back that's my goal I want to have like a bunch of shows Let's that just go back to back on a network <laughs> that's the show right New York Undercover <laughs> New York Undercover is the best show ever man we tried to watch it once on YouTube and it was just pixelated <laughs> too, horrible yeah. horrible conversion they need to like put those out on like some sort of streaming platform mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a show I would watch mm-hmm. on a streaming platform again New York Undercover ooh the music remember how at the club they had all the artists every episode there was a different artist yeah. like <laughs> Oh yeah, what do you mean? They yeah, yeah, he was committed artists. one day to trying to watch it and it was just not working out. We just had to basically listen to it cuz it was just blurry. Um okay, so that's the long term that's the long term like Yeah, that's real, the long that's the long term. Yeah. You know, I I aspire to be like like Tyler Perry. You know what's funny? I remember for years people would ask me like who are my role models, you know? And first always my mother, always. Mm-hmm. Oprah that's kind of changed now yeah. to be honest with you you know what i mean but oprah she's still an aspiration yeah. you know what i'm saying um and tyler perry and spike lee but Ty- people would always laugh at tyler perry and i'm like why is that even funny and i'm like because you know people laugh at the medea yeah, movies they don't yeah. take it seriously and i'm like tyler perry is a black man that wrote plays while he was homeless in his car mm-hmm. and then now those plays are turned into movies into shows and movies and, and movies yeah. he turned those plays into movies yeah. and that is a black and man. then puts himself into these movies and plays various characters and plays various characters he went from being homeless in his car to he owns a whole studio, studio lot mm-hmm. like 
like it's like it's 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 got its own postal code. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's he's got a street named. It's got its own street. It's mm-hmm. got its own postal code because it's a large body of land where he not only is shooting his movies, but it's a movie like just like the Universal Studios lot yeah. in, in L.A. So multiple other people are shooting their movie. People are paying Tyler Perry rent to now shoot to their move their big studios. Hollywood movies yeah. on his studio lot. And and I'm like, and I knew that's where he was gonna get to because yeah. I'm like, this is a at the time Tyler Perry, even though the Medea movies are comedy, whatever, take him seriously, what are you not? But he, what you will, he was a black man that could walk into a Hollywood studio and be like, here's my new movie, no questions asked, boom, bap. And then he turned that into hiring black actors that were never getting yep. jobs, that were never getting gigs yep. on other movies in Hollywood. They weren't um, the crew, black crew members. Yeah. He was hiring black stylists, like putting people on. You know how many actors now have careers because they got their first break in something that Tyler Perry did? Mm-hmm. And then now he, then he moved on to make TV shows. He makes family sitcoms. He's got his own soap operas. Mm-hmm. He's got his own drama shows. You know what I mean? All these different TV shows and he's doing movies and he, now he owns a Hollywood lot. And you guys think that's something to laugh at when somebody says, I aspire to be like Tyler Perry? I'm like, you guys are stupid. Don't worry. You'll see. Now everybody's on it. Now everybody's on Tyler Perry. They're like, oh, man, Tyler Perry is goals. I'm like, Tyler Perry been goals for me, you know, because I aspire to do that. It's your world. It's your realm. So it's something that you understood differently than, I guess, Mm -hmm. a lot of other people. Um, I'm going to play this or that with you. Let's do it. Let's try it out. (laughs) How will you pick a card to start uh-uh. us out? I'll read it to you. You just pull it out. Okay. All right. Let's see. Oops. <laughs> All right. Would you prefer to have, this is funny after the direct questions, would you prefer to have what you're always thinking visible for everyone to see, or would you prefer to have everything you do live streamed? Being such a direct person and all. So, everything I think or everything I do? Everything that you're thinking would be visible, visible for everyone right? to like read like or a bubble. Or everything I'm doing. Or have everything you do constantly live streamed like you're on Big Brother every day, all day. Nah, I'd rather have everything I do be live streamed than what I think. Why? Because it's cinematic? <laughs> <laughs> no, because my life is lit. <laughs> I'm glad I'm part of it. <laughs> Alright, let's try another one. Let's see where we're at. I like that one. Um. Hmm. Always be ten minutes late or always twenty minutes early. Oh, what would I rather or what's real? What's real? Let's talk about what's real. Oh, what's real? Always ten minutes late. <laughs> like the honest. Yeah, straight up. I'm always like an hour late. Um, and my reason is what I'm a director. Aren't we supposed to be late? <laughs> I, I needs, say, I can do that. She still needs to have an element of that superstar status, so she has to make an appearance ten minutes late. Yeah, yeah. Okay, would you rather give up music for a month or give up fitness for a month? Give up fitness for a month. Wow, that surprises me actually, because you've been so hardcore with it. Uh, I can't give up music for music. Constantly plays in my head. My girl knows this. I'm like a my brain is legit a a like human jukebox. This is interesting. It's, but it's the jukebox. You know, like especially in horror films, is that weird jukebox that's broken. Like nobody put a quarter, and it's, in. it's just that, constantly eh, playing. Eh, 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 and that creepy it's song just playing songs. Yeah, yeah, and it's a different song I, every day. Like I random ass songs. I don't get it. Like lately, I've been singing that TikTok song in my head. Which I'm one? In the gym tonight. Work uh, out blank. <laughs> 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 I heard kids singing it on the street yesterday. I was like, this is not appropriate. Yeah. Um. No, I walk. It's like I think it comes with the fact that I I kind of 
think that my movie is really like the Truman yeah. Show. Like, it's, I, it's it's a movie at all, all times. times. So there's always theme music and the score is playing. Now always. the live stream response makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, this is always the quirky one. Would you rather a massage with peanut butter or with maple syrup? Peanut butter. Why? <laughs> um, it's smoother. I feel like maple syrup. It's it's thick and sticky, so it'd be hard to like use to like rub. Yeah, you just be butter, like. But peanut butter is nice and smooth. You know what I mean? So you can rub it, it all. Yeah. But and if it's chunky peanut butter, your skin will get exfoliated. That's what Maria said too. Some good exfoliant. Yeah, exactly. Very clever. <laughs> All right. This one's an interesting one because, like, I know you and I know what you wear a lot. So would you rather never wear pants or would you rather never wear shorts? I feel like you live in shorts. Uh, I'd probably say never wear pants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you live in shorts. Yeah. All right. Let's see if I have one more that is, like, a really good cashmere question. Uh uh-uh. uh, sorry. <laughs> Cashmere's in her. So everybody who's listening two points, would have no idea. But Cashmere seconds left is and it's low a key watching game. the basketball uh-uh. game while we're recording because that's how much she loves athleticism. Okay, mm-hmm. this one's a good one. This one's all. Let's keep going though. Yeah. All Cashmere. <laughs> would you go back a hundred years or go forward a hundred years? Oh, definitely not. I'd be a slave. <laughs> I'm definitely She's not. She's like, I respect you, my eight <laughs> generations of Canadian family, but I'm not coming for you. Uh-uh. Nah, I'm not trying to be a slave. If, uh-uh. you forward, if you go forward, what would you do differently, or what would you what would you try to do? If I went forward, yeah. If you went forward, what would be I mean? I probably somehow use my knowledge of the past to my advantage so that I'm rich somehow. I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, I guess you like jump it, jump ahead in bitcoins. Yeah, <laughs> like, something exactly. So you know what I mean? Shit, like yeah. something. Yeah, I think I would just fast forward. Like I put a bunch of money in Dogecoin and then just fast forward to when it actually makes some money. Something, you know? I don't know, but somehow I'm I just I would just benefit it to me so that like my life is good. You know? Um, this is literally I've had this question in this card and I've never asked this one to anyone, but I'm just gonna ask it even though we all know the answer. Would you rather be a famous actor? Or a famous director. <laughs> ah, um, hmm. I mean, you know what? I'd probably just choose famous director because, I mean, if I'm the director, I could just put myself in the movie, mm-hmm. right? You could be Tyler Perry. Yeah, or Spike Lee. Or Spike Lee. Or Quentin Tarantino. See how they just did that? They're like, I want to be the star sometimes. Yeah. Basically, yeah, sometimes. I want to be the star all the time, you know what I mean? But um, that's something I think I would like to try. Eventually, I'll build up the nerve to like act in one of my own films. I would love to see that. That's the I goal. would love to see that. It's weird, though. Would it be I, weird to I have... I think it's so vulnerable, but that's what I think is beautiful about the art of acting. You know, People think acting is easy. It's not. Not know? at all. Not at all. Okay, quick, quick, quick question. Favorite movie of all time? I have different answers to that. Really? Um, <laughs> and they're like all over the place. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, I can tell you my top three. Okay, give me top three. <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Wow, didn't expect that. Pretty Woman. 
Malcolm X, or it's just called X. Yeah. Um, do the right thing, honorable mention. Yeah. We have it on the wall. So it's like some old white people colonial Classic, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we got Pretty Woman is an amazing movie. It's a fairy tale story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's Julia Roberts. Yeah. She's hot. Who doesn't love her? Richard Gere. He's hot. <laughs> somehow he was hot even when he was old. Like, and he was young but old in that movie, but somehow still yeah. attractive. Um, uh, yeah. And then Malcolm X. Malcolm X is. Um, I love that movie for a number of reasons. One, I. Um, Malcolm X is a hero of mm-hmm. mine. Um, I would say I'm more. I'm more Malcolm than Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Spike Lee is my favorite director. Mm-hmm. Um, ever. Um, Denzel is one of my favorite actors. Um, Angela Bassett is one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. Like if if I'm I could get a movie about my life made, she would play my mom. Like you know, that's good. Um, I like that. Uh, you know, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing film. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 amazing, amazing film. Like if you haven't watched Malcolm X, or you haven't watched. For I a actually long time, haven't. I need to watch it's it. It's beautiful. It's such a amazing. Like it's so cinematically done. Malcolm X, like he, uh, or sorry, um, uh, Denzel Washington, like he became Malcolm X. You know what I mean? In that film, um. And it's dope because Hollywood, Hollywood, the Jewish people in Hollywood tried everything they could to help to stop Spike from getting that movie made. Wow! And so much so, like Spike had to reach out to all his rich black friends, like Magic Johnson, Janet Jackson. Like he literally reached out to all of them to invest in the movie just so he could get the movie, so he could finish the movie and make it the way he wanted it to be made. You know what I mean? Um, and it was like, yeah, Black Hollywood came together. To, I was just to, gonna say, look at that community mm-hmm. came together. Community came together to get that movie made. Um, I would not have expected these answers for what, I don't know what I expected you to say, but Gone with the Wind was definitely not <laughs> up there. I like my mom is a girly girl. Mm-hmm. She's she watches Lifetime, mm-hmm. W Network, mm-hmm. O Network. Yeah, you know what I mean. All that all that stuff that's like the target audience is like middle aged white women. That my mom is watching it. <laughs> so, um, so I I don't know why, but I fell in love with that movie when I was a kid. It happened to be on TV one day, and I think I was so amazed at the fact because it's a four hour movie, and I just didn't understand how yeah. movies could be made that long. My mom was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Mom, they play this in the theaters," and she was like, "Yeah," and I was so amazed that people would sit in the theater for like four hours, like because it's so like it's Hollywood, you know. Yeah. And then I knew that that is considered like it's considered the greatest movie of all time mm-hmm. um in the ranking of hollywood films mm-hmm. um um hattie mcdaniel is in it hattie mcdaniel is the first black person ever to win an oscar mm-hmm. um and i love the history behind that yeah. even though she's playing uh, a mammy character um they wouldn't even let her accept her award I on know. the oscar stage she had to accept it backstage and yeah. things like that um they wouldn't even let her sit in the crowd you know so uh um it's just a classic movie, you know? It's got classic lines. It's a classic love story. I mean, I'm not mad at it. Mary Poppins is my favorite movie. Mary Poppins so. is lit, too. Mary Poppins is all that. Um, but, yeah, and it's just, like, I love the whole grand production of mm-hmm. it because it's just, it was so big, you know what and, I mean? Yeah. Like, um, how they used to make those big, grand Hollywood movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and that's just, I just love, like, the old classic Hollywood. Mm-hmm. There's something so fantastic about it. Like, every time I'm, <clears throat> like, every time um Every time I'm in LA, um, I have to go stay at. Um, I just my mind just drew like I'm having a, a brain fart. That's okay. Um, what's this? The hotel that Marilyn Monroe died oh in. Oh my god, I wouldn't even know. Oh my god, my brain is like. You go stay have, there? Yeah, I have to all the time because it's like it's a piece of history. Oh my god, it'll come to me. Um, no, no, not the Beverly. 
Um, and I go to Hollywood Walk of Fame. Like, I just love, like, I got to go look at the Hollywood sign because it's Hollywood. I've you know what been. I'm saying? Like, it's, um, yeah, it's just, I love it. I love, like, all, all things old Hollywood. So I think that's why Gone with the Wind is one of my favorite movies. We just need to get you your star. So let's get you there. Yeah, I want to get a star in the Hollywood. What? That shit would be cool. Right? <laughs> that would we'll be so cool. take pictures with, with, with a pair of Jordan 1s. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. With my 1s on. What? I'm doing my prison stance. You know? <laughs> I'm dead at the prison. <laughs> Listen, please tell everybody where they can stay connected to you. Check out your work. Any of those things. Plug whatever you like. Yeah, um, I mean, you can check me out on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is at cashblanche, C-A-Z-H, blanche. You're Canadian. You should know what So you should know how to spell blanche. <laughs> or if you watch Golden Girls, Blanche. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, yeah, and then my, you know, my production company, Director Die Filmworks, um, we have that on Instagram as well. It's, you know, at Director Die Filmworks. Website is launching soon. I'm just always busy creating stuff that I never have time mm-hmm. to do those business the administrative things, stuff. all the administrative stuff. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, I'll shout out everybody. I'll shout out my family. I want to shout out my, my amazing girl. Um, she's got a line coming out just now called uh, Swim By Me G. Um, she de- uh, designs amazing swimwear. All um, by hand? Yes, all by hand, custom made by hand. Um, and she's really dope at it. And we just launched her Instagram page, swimbyme.g. Um, we're launching her website. Uh, just now, I'm probably gonna be working on it as soon as we get off of this. You know. Um, well, I love that you're getting her website up, but not yours. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's dedication. Yeah, it is dedication. Um, but yes, you know. So, so shouts to Swim by Me G. Um, I yeah. love that. I love that we're shouting this out right following the last episode with Betsy and the custom swimwear because it just shows how important it is for people to feel personalized and feel like yeah. they're having something that's about them so it is i love it and i think it's dope like i was like why would anybody ever want to buy a generic ass swimsuit, swimsuit ever again i'm like that's basic you know <laughs> what i mean we don't do basic around we here. don't do oh and she definitely don't do basic <laughs> these swimwears will blow your mind away um yeah i mean me if you see if you follow me on instagram you know i'm all about um, I support family two things. Friends. I support family. I support my friends. So I support all things black. So I'm all about supporting black business. So again, swim by me, G. Um, then we got um, my cousin. We got Bay Inspired. Um, Bay is a clothing line. Bay stands for before anyone else right so love yourself before anyone else love mm-hmm. your family before anyone else love anything like before anyone else whatever you feel you got to be put before anyone else that's what bay is about bay ain't just your boo um it's a black business mm-hmm. you know and i'm about supporting my friends so local businesses as well so kaish is another um custom body uh what is it body suits so yeah, it's like she's just repro- got like it's, um, reworked body pieces. suits that's yeah. what it is it's reworked body suits so kaish my friend Caitlin right got a dope line out um you know i love it black business get fresh because i only wears get fresh you know what i'm saying <laughs> um because i'm all about my friends and my family and i always say like i could wear designer i could buy designer but my friends are designers mm-hmm. so you know i love it um and of course you know i got a shout out Oh, 818 conversate events experience 818 everything 818 i know those numbers I own are embedded <laughs> yes my, she my owns 818 and you know i gotta shout out my fam 
Pierre. <laughs> He's in the background. No hustle, no life. Dot com. You already know what it is. You know that's my I guy. <laughs> I call him Pierre because you know he be with Family. the cigar like he's yeah. Pierre. And he got the fresh lineup and shit today, so you know he he, um, he had to get fresh for this podcast episode, even though he's behind the scenes. I have my Bay inspired sweater. I should have worn my Bay inspired. Yeah, today. I know. I usually would have my Bay mask on. Yeah, but, today but somehow just, you and I color coordinated today. So I love it. I, it's very. We've got the blush and like. Mono, what is this? Is this monochromatic? It's very Kanye. Yeah, very new, it's very yeah. Kanye tones right now. Like the past, what's it? The pastels. Pastels. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Right? I have my but essentials. Not, my essentials gear on today. I'm not mad at it. But does that mean we're dressed like homeless people? No, no, because no, we don't. We <laughs> don't have. We don't have holes in all of our clothes. True, but she's that's what my girl. She says she's like um, Kanye steals all this drip from the homeless people. He just goes to like Skid Row in L.A. and sees what they're all wearing. And then, oh, I'm dead. And then goes make that. It's but pretty accurate. It's accurate, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then puts and puts Kylie and Kendall in, and it's like walk the runway. Exactly, <laughs> and no diss to homeless people because homelessness is a real problem. I know. You know what I mean? Like I but said, apparently like Tyler, there's f- trendsetters. Tyler Perry was homeless in his car, you know? Yeah. So it's important that you don't forget about people like that. But <laughs> That's I'm, a whole conversation, Toronto and homelessness. Oh, yeah, big deal. They're still hating on those people that are building tents for homeless people and stuff? I mean, I think it's a very mixed response conversation from people. I don't know. It's a very it's a very challenging conversation. We'll Dougie. talk about that on another episode. Dougie. Yeah. Free the people, Dougie. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I'm, you. I was so excited to do this episode because you are, have been listening since day one and supporting since day one. So it meant a lot to me to be able to sit down with you. And it's funny because I every time I have these um, conversations with people because I get to sit down with people I know and I love and I'm proud of and inspired by, I was plan to have this like really thought out you know list of questions but the conversation just is always so organic so i love it so this was such a great conversation because i learned things about you that i didn't know before you know today so thank you so much um for those listening you can always check out a new episode on instagram at 818 and conversate there's links to all the major platforms we're on apple podcasts we're on Spotify podcast, iHeartRadio and everything. But if you'd love to watch an episode, please check it out on YouTube. And uh, you can be a part of the experience and know why we're laughing sometimes. We look good, so, so watch us. Yeah, we look good. You can see if we're back. So, we, shout yeah. to my baby. She dressed me today. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Feta for making an appearance. He's he's kind of getting over this episode right now. So we're going to wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Go follow Feta, too. Feta, the T-H-A, Frenchie. Make sure you go follow Feta. He he's trying a girlfriend. He's trying to get uh, Instagram famous. And he's real cute. And he needs a girl. So <laughs> He's like, wrap this episode up, Mom. I need to go outside. But. Right? Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for Keith being in the background and the support in the room. I'm proud so, of you, Nadine. Oh, thank you. But this is the episode six, and we're done. Thank uh-uh. you so much. I always say Nadine, but it's Nadine. Nadine. And Don't Nadine. get it twisted, you guys. 818 and conversate. <laughs> this is episode six. Thank you. Yeah. I'm the best passenger ever. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Pierre was the best passenger.